This is a really great Sunday for music. Um, if you have your Bible, you can turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 8. Uh, John is the fourth book in the New Testament, and uh, it's a great one. You should read it sometime. Um, so uh, this past Sunday, we had this little block party shindig thing uh, in our neighborhood, and uh, a lot of friends were getting together. We, we had some neighbors that were moving away. And so you can imagine, you can imagine there's all these little kids just kind of running around, uh, playing in the yards, and then all these parents kind of sitting on this back porch. It's a really pretty day. And uh, we're all kind of like in our 30s maybe or so, and uh, just having a nice time together. And uh, we, got to, we got to laughing about trying to apologize in a marriage. Uh, and uh, for, for, for some of us who were uh, particularly uh, extra immature when we first got married, that was like really impossible, right? You know, this whole apologizing to your spouse thing. Brunella says amen. She, she <laughs> can really testify. Um, and so, you know, there's all these like funny things you do to try and uh, avoid apologizing. Uh, so maybe you know the trick. Um, I'm sorry that you feel like, I, you know, or I'm sorry that you think you heard this or that, you know. Um, and then my favorite one was, uh, I, yeah, I'm sorry that I did such and such. Is there anything you want to say that you're sorry for? You know, like I've, I've, kind of, I've kind of given you the example of what really you need to be doing. So, I mean, it is, it is very hard to apologize, even to this day. Um, uh, but uh, it's, it's, it's always easy. It's easier to see where someone else has messed up, right? Uh, but it's not so easy to see where you are at fault. So uh, here's a little formula for you to get us kicked off. Uh, uh, first, uh, sometimes things don't go well, all right? But number two, but you want them to go well, okay, or get back to going well. And number three, you feel like the easiest path to get to things going well again is for it to be someone else's fault, right? Like if it's their fault, then they're the one who has to do the heavy lifting, right, to fix things. Like if they fix some things, some things not going well, at least they'll get better and, and they can take care of that. But what Jesus is going to uh, hopefully show you this morning is that the easy path, right? The path of, of kind of laying blame on somebody else, all right? Condemning and attacking somebody else. It eventually becomes a very dead end. That condemning someone, it, it, it kind of gives you like a sense of control. It makes you feel like you're accomplishing something, making progress toward getting towards some kind of good, uh, but, but, but that bullet that you fire at somebody else has this kind of magical way of doing a U-turn in midair and landing on you instead. Jesus is going to, I, I hope, show you a better way that if you can restrain yourself, deny yourself this low-hanging fruit of condemning somebody else, all right? to find some sense of control so that you can hopefully get back to the good, all right? Um, my friends, my, the, the question I'm going to ask you this morning is this. 
when things are not going the way that you want them to, how do you find some sense of control in your life? Today I want to look at this, this old story from John's Gospel. And it's a story about a bunch of old crotchety men, all right, who, who saw a problem, all right, and they saw where things weren't going well, and they wanted things to be going well again, all right, uh, and without realizing it, they took the easy path of blaming somebody, of condemning somebody, and they fired off some bullets. But luckily, somebody stepped in to save the day. So here's how the story goes in John chapter 8. Um, at dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? So you have a group of Pharisees and teachers of the law. And when you hear that word law, teachers of the law, I want you to, to just kind of think the word Bible. All right. So in the New Testament, when they say the law, they're referring to the Torah. Okay. They called the first five books of the Bible. They called that the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So if you were a teacher of the law, you were a teacher of what they would call the Bible at that time. Uh, and so uh, John is kind of setting this, the stage here, and you have all these characters. You have these Pharisees, these Bible teachers, all these people who are just 100% dedicated to the Bible. That's great. All is well. At the same time, of course, you know, this is a really hard time in the land of Israel, right? You have those pesky Romans who are there, and they're occupying the land. They're calling all the shots. You have all these foreigners who have moved in and they're not doing things the right way they're not doing things the biblical way they're not doing things the way you're supposed to and yet they are like the rich ones they are the ones with the military on their side they're the ones who are getting to call all the shots all right so there's kind of your stage there and so so you you, you kind of want to sympathize with all these people uh, standing around in this Scene. They're not much different from anyone else at any time of history who has lived in an occupied country where some other government's coming in and controlling things. Things aren't, things aren't the way they want them to be. What they want, these Pharisees, these Bible teachers, they want to regain some sense of control in their life. Okay? They want to restore God's kingdom to the land. Things were not good. Things were broken. So how do you regain some sense of control if you're one of these people? So we'll dig uh, a little bit deeper uh, here. And I, I want to show you that this is what's at stake for these men who are talking about stoning this woman, executing this woman. How do you re regain control when people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, when things feel like they're out of control? And so one of these Pharisees, you know, he finds these two people smooching in the high school bathroom, and he knows that, one, that the gal is, you know, engaged to be married to his cousin Floyd. So he grabs that, that woman by the collar, and he jerks her out, and uh, he says, this is adultery, and adultery is a sin, and God punishes the land when there is sin in the land. And so sinners just like this one, you know, you're the, you're the problem, right? And so let's start to mop this up. 
right here, right now. I found myself an adulteress. Let's take this out and have ourselves a good old-fashioned stoning. See, the Bible is crystal clear about adultery. All right? So let me read for you exactly what the Bible says about adultery. This is what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 22. You shall take both of them to the gate of that town and stone them to death. Okay, you throw rocks at them until they're dead. The young woman, because she was in a town and did not scream for help, and the man, because he violated another man's wife. You must, you must purge the evil from among you. All right? So this Pharisee grabs her, he brings her temple for this good old-fashioned stoning. But before they start throwing those rocks, they say, well, let's ask this Jesus feller, see what he has to say about this. They weren't actually curious what Jesus had to say. This was just a great way to discredit someone because there's really no politically correct answer here for Jesus. All right. Uh, by the way, um, at this time you couldn't just you couldn't just do this. All right. The Romans were in control now. They were the ones who said who could be and could not be executed. But um, anyway, stay with stay with me for a second. So I know you've you've probably read this story before. Maybe even uh, as I as I kind of share it with you now. Uh, and, and you've thought there's something missing from this story. Better stated, there's someone missing from this story. So if you're, if you're brave enough, and you can think of the, the missing character from this story, I want you to just shout it out. This scene of, of them wanting to stone this woman. Who's missing from the picture? The man. The man is missing. What, how did they just you know, miss something like that. I guarantee you that every woman who has read this story noticed that at least a little bit faster than uh, a lot of men in this world. So the Bible is just so clear about this. I mean, I just read it for you. It says the man and the woman have to both be stoned. And, and these guys, these Bible teachers, I mean, these are the pros. I mean, they know the Bible. How do you miss something like that? How do you miss something like that? Well, I'll tell you one possibility. And that is this. The more you focus on others' junk, the less you focus on yours. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever seen that? It's true, isn't it? The more honed in you become to what others are doing, the more blind you become to what's in right, right in front of you. And that's why it's, it's so easy to become hypocritical, right? You're really setting yourself up for disaster the moment you start criticizing other people, right? You get all high and mighty because someone's going to be watching you and waiting for a second, a moment to pounce, right? Um, because the more you focus on others' junk, the less you're going to focus on yours and, and somebody near you. And, uh, and it doesn't matter if you're using the Bible to attack someone or you're using data and facts and science or, or whatever it is. The more focused you become on what others are doing, the less focused you become on what you're doing wrong. The more blind you become to what you're doing wrong. The more focused you become on squeezing an apology out of somebody else, the less tuned into whatever apology that you owe to somebody. I think maybe part of the reason they grab it the woman and not the man is because it's a group of men. 
And in some way, for some reason, there's a sort of blindness to the sins of my group, the sins of my tribe, the sins of my uh, 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 people who look like me, right? The people who believe like me, the people who act like me. I can see everything they're doing wrong, but I'm a little blinder to what me and people who are like me are doing. This idea that you can use the Bible or whatever thing you can you have lying around to grab to take control of the people around you and the circumstances around you, it is fundamentally just flawed. Okay? But we haven't heard what Jesus has to say about all this. All right, so, so let's go back to John's Gospel and we'll start in the next verse in verse 6. And this is what happens. All right? So they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing Jesus. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, uh, Jesus straightened up and he said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Thanks be to God for that very good word. <clears throat> Drop the rocks and take inner stock. All right, let's drill down on that for a second, all right? Uh, uh, just, re just repeat after me, okay? Drop the rocks, Drop the rocks. and take inner stock. Let's, let's, you guys, you know, let's, no, <laughs> but, uh, but Jesus knows exactly what's going on underneath the surface of things for these men. Okay? Jesus sees the man who is missing from the picture. He sees how worried these guys and how frantic they are and anxious and insecure these men are. And Jesus invites them in, these, these Bible teachers, okay, these Pharisees, he invites them into something much deeper and spiritually liberating than hypocritical witch hunts. You feel like something's out of control. Someone uh, you love is pulling your family apart. Jesus says that you have to follow a different path. Jesus says you have to take your eyes off of, of something that looks easy to control. Someone else's junk. Someone else's sin. The thing that is easy to see and looks easy enough to control. You have to drop the rocks and take inner stock. In verse 4, these, these, uh, these religious leaders, you know, they ask Jesus what to do. And then in verse 7, uh, it says that they, they keep on questioning him. All right? And how does Jesus respond according to the story? Well, he just doesn't say anything. He just kind of bends over and starts doodling in the dirt. Well, what does Jesus write anyway? What is he, what is he writing? Well, this is just subject of so much speculation over the centuries. But the, the Bible doesn't actually say anything at all. It doesn't give you any clue whatsoever what Jesus is writing in the ground two times in the story. A lot of folks have tried to fill in those gaps, but I actually would say don't try to do that. Don't try to uh, fill in those details. 
John does not tell you what Jesus wrote for a reason. And the reason, I think, is that it just doesn't matter what he wrote. If it mattered, he would have told you. So instead, I want you to think about it this way. Uh, if, if, I, if, 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 if you asked me a question, okay, and you demanded an answer, I mean, this is something really important, like, I don't know, someone's life is at stake. And I just looked at you and said, mm -hmm, and just started writing something on a piece of paper. And then you asked me another question, demanding an answer, and I just looked at you, and without saying anything, just started writing some more. You might be really curious what it is I'm writing, but the, the, the bigger issue is that you're just ignoring me. You're just ignoring me when I'm demanding an answer from you. Jesus' point is simply this. Jesus is completely ignoring the blame game, the condemning game that people are playing. Okay? Jesus is already, so to speak, dropping the rock. Okay? I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to play this game where we split hairs over the precise uh, interpretation of Deuteronomy chapter 22. I'm not going to do this with you. If Jesus is like riding in the dirt, well, you lied to Aunt Betty about, you know, uh, taking that girl out because Uncle Rob saw you at the sheets in the Taco Bell last Friday night. If he's writing those kinds of things, like if he's writing their sins and the things that he sees them doing, well, he's just, he's kind of just doing it with them, right? He's just condemning them. He's just accusing them. He's playing the condemning game. If you're going to do the Bible a favor and you know, start filling in these details, you might possibly miss the whole point. Jesus is doodling in the dirt in order to ignore the game that religious people are playing. Jesus is dropping the rock. Okay? He's not going to throw a rock at a woman caught in adultery, and he's not going to throw a rock at these men who are trying to find some sense of control in life. Jesus makes no accusations. He casts no blame. He doesn't condemn anybody. Jesus just asks the questions that compel people to look inside themselves, okay? To take inner stock. Jesus is guiding everyone in the entire scene toward a different path, all right? A different destination to find some sense of control in life. His invitation is to take inner stock. Everyone, look inside. Take inner stock of your heart. All right, look at what Jesus says. The only thing he says to these religious leaders in verse 7, he says, if any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Look inside yourself, Jesus is saying. Take stock of what is going on in your own heart. And these guys, they walk away because they realize that when you focus on others, John, you become blind to your own. And it's time for them to take inner stock. And what does Jesus say to the woman? All right, He says, I don't condemn you either, right? Go now and leave your life of sin. He's inviting the woman to take inner stock also. Okay, the woman was, she was powerless, she was voiceless. She never had a rock to pick up to begin with. Her world was spinning out of control and what could she do about it? But there was one thing that she could control and that was her choices. What she was going to do with herself. How she was going to act. There was one thing the Bible and the Bible teachers and the Pharisees 
could control their own thoughts and choices of what they were going to do with themselves. This is a story about looking for control and finding true spiritual liberation. Jesus is challenging you and me and everybody who's ever felt brokenhearted and afraid and worried and felt like things were just spinning out of control and then, you know, just picked up a Bible or listened to a sermon or just picked up anything at all and, and felt this inner urge to blame other people or condemn other people, somebody over there. Jesus is challenging you and me and everybody who's ever been in the dumps in a, you know, in a marriage or in a family or, or, or with anybody else and just, just felt so self-righteous, right? And lined up all the evidence as to why all of this is somebody else's fault. And Jesus is saying, look, drop the rocks and take inner stock. Control the one thing that you can control. Your own thoughts, your own actions. I remember when we found out my dad had acute myeloid leukemia, which most people do not survive. I started having some opinions about things. I started getting riled up about some things, right? Things that had absolutely no connection whatsoever to any of that. I just wanted to be mad at somebody. Maybe I was just being a Pharisee looking for cheaters to throw rocks at. Maybe I just, I just wanted some control. I know some pretty beat down people who are really addicted to partisan news. I know some pretty beat down people who have really locked on to this whole thing of blaming this person, blaming this group of people, for, or this person, or, or this institution. Just, just so mad. And this thing we do where we blame and we condemn, I think our hearts just want some kind of handrail to grab onto in a world that's spinning out of control. Jesus is showing you that path. It doesn't work. It's a dead end. Those, those bullets you fire, they have this kind of magical way of doing a U-turn in midair. It has no integrity. It's, it's hypocritical. Drop the rocks. Take inner stock in your marriage, in your family, in these wider cultural conversations. You can't control people. You can't control your circumstances. But Jesus says there is one thing that you can control, and that is yourself, your choices, your actions, your thoughts. This isn't primarily a story about mercy for an adulterous woman. This is, this is really a story about trying to control the world and the people around us. And Jesus is inviting you, challenging you to let go of the myth that you can do that, that, that you can control other people. You can kind of guilt them into things or scare them into things or, or shame them into things or, or manipulate other people to behave the way that you want them to. So instead, Jesus says, drop the rocks and take inner stock to focus on repenting from your own sins. Because the more you focus on others, John, the less you focus on yours. The one thing that you can control in this world. One thing you can control in your marriage. The one thing you can control in your family. The one thing you can control in your life. So drop the rocks and take inner stocks. My friends, everybody in this story, not just the adulterous woman, everybody is saved from their sin. 
Jesus wants to save you from your own sin also. He wants to save you from yourself. And Jesus can do that, but every second that you spend focusing on what someone else is doing wrong is a second wasted where God can be at work in your own heart. All right? So there's a lot of things that, that I think we can walk away from this story, but I do want to just pull, pull apart two things for you this morning to kind of take with you as you go this Sunday. All right? uh, the first thing is this. Always read the Bible through the lens of Christ. All right? And the emphasis there is on the word always read the Bible. Like always, you know, read the Bible every day. Apply it to your life. But when you do that, read the Bible through the lens of Christ. As I, I always say, the Bible gets the first word. Uh, Jesus gets the last word. It is true that the Bible says that if someone commits adultery, uh, you're supposed to throw rocks at them until they're dead. But can we all just raise our hands and just agree that we are not going to do that? Let's, let's see the hands. I really want to see this, okay? Uh, please don't do that, all right? I know the Bible says that, but, but read the Bible through the lens of Christ and always read it in context because uh, uh, you, can, you can turn the Bible into a weapon, right? But, but not when you read it through the lens of Christ. Here's the second thing I want you to take away, from you, away with you this morning. Control the only thing you can control, all right? Last week we talked about being born again and unlocking the truth of what's on the inside. And we talked about sharing your heart with God and others. And I want to make a real careful distinction real quick. Do not confuse sharing your heart with attacking somebody you're upset with. When things are crazy, feelings are hurt, bad things are happening, remember to share your heart, not just lock up what's on the inside. Okay, but drop the rocks and take inner stock. Share your heart, don't condemn others. And look inside yourself to see how you could do better. You can't control the people around you. You cannot control what the weather is doing. You cannot control what the stock market is doing. You cannot control the circumstances around you. But you can control your thoughts, your actions, your feelings. You can control yourself. And that is the invitation from Jesus to you today. Will you please say a prayer with me? Loving and generous God, we stop, we, we deny ourselves, we restrain ourselves from magnifying and highlighting and looking at other people's junk. And we turn our gaze right to our own heart. And we ask you, God, show us how can we purify our hearts in your refiner's fire. Loving God, we want to follow you. We want to be molded and shaped further and further and further into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come to us and make us better. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray these things. Amen. The good news of the gospel is that in Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is available to you and to, and to the whole world. Today, I invite you to confess Jesus as your Lord, Savior, and Teacher so that the kingdom of God can come to you. If you're not an active member of a congregation, I invite you to join this beloved community right here on the corner of Preston and South Main. I'll be down front as we stand and sing and worship together.